This is the Women in Tech Not Just Code podcast with me, Carol Johnson. The podcast for all women working in a tech role or the tech sector, where you don't have to be a developer or a coder. Hi, I'm Carol Johnson. I'm an IT director and founder of the Women in Tech Not Just Code community. Technology is a huge sector, and very often the assumption is that you're only working in tech if you're coding. I'm on a mission to find as many real models and job roles in tech. We'll be bringing together people at all levels and talking to real models to share their experiences. We'll be dispelling the myths, sound bites and gimmicks that may be holding us back, tackling issues from plain speaking, honesty, no gimmicks or fakery, just reality. Welcome to episode four. Now there are turning points in all of our lives, but during the pandemic, and with a milestone birthday looming, my next guest reflected on her career and decided to challenge herself. What I love about this podcast is despite knowing someone, there is still so much you don't know about them. And this episode is full of life lessons and moments of reflection. From sausage rolls to Silicon Valley, Rosie Kay has spent the last nine years in technology, the last seven in Google Cloud, where she's currently a strategic account manager for UKI businesses. With a very untypical route into technology, Rose is a passion for people and believes that building real relationships has been the key to her success so far. Welcome, Rosie. Hello. Thank you for the introduction. My absolute pleasure. So I'm really excited to have you on the show. Um, we've worked together, or I've known you for quite a couple of years now, and uh I have always been interested in, in some of the things we've been talking about, about career. We have sort of a lot of similar ideas and thoughts. And uh, so it's really nice to have an opportunity to talk to you in a bit more detail and hear about your experience. Because I think, you know, you have had uh, a career which I think will really interest people, particularly, you know, like as, as the intro says, from Sausage Rose to Silicon Valley. You know, that's not a normal route most people would take, I would think. So... Tell me about how 2020 has been for you, because it's not been the normal year, is it? <laughs> um, definitely not. It's been an interesting year, let's say. Um, if we start at the end, like I turned 30 this year and I'm officially living with my parents, which was not my New Year's resolution going into the year. <laughs> um, but Well, congrats on the birthday, by the way. It's a big event. Thank you. But it's... It's been an interesting year, but also, you know, firstly, like my family are healthy. My parents got vaccinated yesterday, which was a big milestone for us. And but it's been an interesting year and we're we're all healthy. And that is the most important thing. But it's forced me to slow down. You know, living in London, we both did pretty much the exact same commute because our offices are opposite each other. It's a very fast paced life and I think it was a a year of realizations for a lot of people I was very busy doing nothing you know and very hectic life so this year you know I stopped for the first time and you know I don't really have like one of the biggest realizations was that I just don't actually have like a an anchor in any city Mm -hmm. in the UK like the reason that I was in London was because my office was in London and all my customers and clients were in London. So I came back up north and spent time with my family. And it was the first time I was speaking with my parents about this recently. Like I moved out when I was 17, straight into 
Manchester city centre and then went to Dublin to work for Google when I was 23. And then I've spent the last seven years in various cities, but always just seeing my parents with like a, a time limit, you know, two days, three days, four days. So it's been nice to not have, not be running out of time and trying to force these meaningful visits. So yeah. And my parents are quite interesting people as well. So um, aside from being my parents. So yeah, it's been a very interesting year, but a lot of good has come out of it as well. I definitely feel like it's been a time for reflection for people, particularly for people who have sort of been living in cities who, mm. you know, it's all about the job really, isn't it? And you're away from family, probably away from friends, although you have a circle of friends around you in your new sort of city life and hub life, that kind of thing. But, but definitely a time to reflect, think about what it is you're looking to do next. So, so turning 30, that's a big milestone. And I, I, I think <laughs> having spoken to a few people now, it's like the period in your life where you, you go from what am I doing to what am I going to do next? Yeah. Is that something you felt as, yeah. you, as you've had that time to reflect? Yeah. And I think people have also said to me, friends, that you stop caring about what people think of you, you know, stop trying to please people, stop wanting people to like you, you know, you, mm. you, um, you don't really give a shit anymore. And I think I started to feel that way when I was a bit younger, but definitely now starting to, you know, I, I want people to respect me, but I don't necessarily care about people liking me. And I think that's such a, a huge weight off your shoulders when you, as a woman in technology, definitely. And turning 30 plus spending time with my parents and actually thinking about what I'm doing and mm. why am I doing it and am I enjoying it? You know, it's been a huge point of reflection, but also I've thought, okay, you know, I'm only 30. That's not too old, you know. There is so much for me to do and see and experience. And, you know, the last few years have definitely been that way, but being in London has just meant that I've just been working constantly or commuting working meetings you know very repetitively and now you can I have that space to try and plan and yeah plan to be a bit more adventurous and daring yeah I think you said something really interesting there which is about that sort of worrying about what people think of you and and being respected because I I mean I definitely had that and you know where you're sort of worrying all the time about am I doing the right thing am I saying the right things do I look the part do I sound the part that's exhausting yeah yeah I completely agree and I think like you alluded to it in the intro from sausage rolls to Silicon Valley like that that point around you know feeling the part, looking the part. I have never been that person in, in my career. I've always been the one with a Northern accent, you know, with lots of piercings. You know, I had quite a untraditional route into Google in that, you know, I didn't, I don't have a degree. I didn't specialise in that area. So arriving in Dublin uh, at 23 with none of that background experience, I came in as definitely... I was definitely an outlier amongst my peers. And I think when I think about it now, the first three, four, five years of my career in technology specifically, that it was all about pretending to be that person that everyone else was. And it was so exhausting to the point where, you know, I I had to, like, I burnt myself out. I 
you know, in in Dublin at one point, my anxiety was so bad that, you know, I got taken to hospital. And at the time, I thought it was because I was just working so hard because I really wanted everyone to, you know, I, I wanted to show that I deserved to be there because yeah. I had this feeling that, you know, I mean, I'm going to say it, we all talk about it, imposter syndrome, that at some point someone was going to find me out, you know. And I definitely have been more myself the last five five years, definitely. And that and, and that has made me more successful. But it's also just that huge weight off your shoulders that, yeah, maybe people might see me as a bit of a wild card. And, you know, I don't have a degree and I don't have any specialisms, but look where I am. And, mm. At this point, it's not a fluke, which yeah. I think I thought it was for the first couple of years. I, I'm never too sure whether it is a fluke. I mean, in the podcast so far, we've had people talk about their accidental careers or they just fell into something. And I think we are so conditioned that there's only one thing you can do, and that's figure out what you want to do at school, stay on that path until you yeah. get there. And I, I have not met a single woman in tech yet who has done that. Yeah. So... This is one of those myths I'm trying to bust all over the place because it is draining us. Yeah. It is making sure we tell enough people that this is just, you know, a fallacy and we've got to stop this nonsense because it's draining, it's burning people out, you know, and it doesn't need to happen. This is about being, discovering who you are. I think this is the journey we all have to go on and and you know like you you get to 30 and and you've discovered who you are you know who you are now but it's it's piecing that together with all of your experiences that allows you to sort of stop and go yeah I'm pretty cool with this I, I yeah. can I can go wherever I want to go with this now I have choices and decisions whereas I feel like you you bumble along because you're fighting to be to be recognized you're fighting to be heard you're fighting to be understood and you don't even know what any of that means for you either you know do you understand yourself yeah yeah that's so true and I think when I look back you know I was 23 you know I, I was I was very young and mm. I think I was trying to fit in not only in my new role but also in a new city and yeah. I was surrounded by you know I met a lot of people and they were also different to me and they were also different to my friends and my family and you know I'd go to dinner parties and dinner parties is not a thing in Manchester like we yeah. we just party it's we don't do dinner parties <laughs> and I remember just sitting at a table and people talking about things and me realizing oh gosh I don't have the same vocabulary as these people mm. or I we'd have very different lives you know and just that feeling of I'm so different to everyone in the room was yeah. paralyzing at first. And it was um, when, you know, in reality, probably wasn't, you know, you fill in the gaps yourself, don't yeah. you? Yeah. You, think, you come in and think, I'm the only person, I don't know, that's from a working class family, you know, or it, you, and then you make up the blocks to tell yourself yeah. that story. And it is, it, it has been, and I think for a lot of women, that is paralyzing at first. But then when you start to think, hang on a minute this I think first of all when you get comfortable feeling uncomfortable 
you can almost get I get a bit of a kick out of it you know and I, I know I shouldn't be in this room and you know and I know I probably shouldn't be asking these questions and suddenly that is who I realize that that is my um, identity and that is who I am in work you know I will ask those challenging questions or I will approach something from a completely different way because I haven't had that traditional education or experience and I will ask some you know very obvious questions that maybe we didn't know the answers to yeah yeah actually I that's what I liked about uh, the conversations that we've had on the meetings we've been in because you are the one person who asks the question that everybody is thinking about but they're all like I'm not going to say it mm, because I don't want to come across as not knowing and yet actually you're using that as your forte to go well I don't care I'm just going to ask it because yeah. everyone wants to know it and yeah. that's such a great thing to have and recognizing it in yourself that's brilliant I love that yeah yeah and it, I think it also helps you when you have been the you know the underdog or the one that people didn't bet on and mm. you also you also recognize that in other people so as you become more senior you know if you're in a leadership position if you're a people manager you recognize when people feel uncomfortable in the room and you it is a privilege and it is so nice to pass on you know they don't have to have the same you know war wounds and um go through the same pain and panic <laughs> as you do because you can see them in a the room and you can say I think this person's got something to say so take me back to the sausage rolls then is this the start of your career <laughs> yeah this was the start of the um <laughs> Start of my career, but definitely so glad that I that's where I started, to be honest. So I'm sure you can tell from my accent, I'm very northern, although I've been told that it's residing, which makes me a bit sad. But yeah, born and raised in the north. My parents are both from the north, and obviously pies is a big part of who we are. But I went to college and got a job in a pie shop and that was probably my first real job and I worked there on the weekends and to be honest I loved it like it was so much fun and um I think and then I think once you get your hands dirty with things like that you know there's nothing that you won't do or you won't try and so I started that and and genuinely have had no idea on what I wanted to do like if you look at the subjects that I chose at my A-levels versus what I'm doing now, there is a big difference. I, so I went from sausage rolls and working in a pie shop. So I went to university for a year and quickly moved on because my dad had an idea about a company. He was telling me all about the advent of cloud computing and saying it was going to be a big thing. And, and that's when I, I moved over. But before that, I worked in retail, pie shops. I worked at what was then Manchester Evening News Arena for a little bit definitely just spent a lot of time flitting around and but I think from one the one takeaway from that was that I just love people I love being around people and that's why this year has been quite hard I am an extrovert I get my energy from being around people learning about people and I think I'm naturally quite a curious person so they were all great jobs and I learned a lot from them and I had a lot of fun doing them and then I think it teaches you to be humble, right? Tech, working in tech is great and it can be very lucrative for a lot of people. Um, and I think it really helps to have, you know, I also pre-tech and, and yeah. being what we call successful, I also, you know, made sausage butties on a Saturday. So, <laughs> Yeah, but I think there's an interesting point there about 
because we I talk a lot about transferable skills on the podcast right and those jobs those early jobs particularly when you're interacting with customers right yeah you're talking to them you're listening to them you're figuring out what they want you're working out what you know the regulars that come in how they like their butties or whatever you know all of that yeah. kind of stuff and those skills can't be taught they are things you pick up and develop that's a really great transferable skill isn't it in terms of the role that you do today and how you you you've carried that along with you yeah yeah definitely and I think um when I think about you know how I ended up in technology or, or why I ended up in technology and I've been in it for so long it's definitely that I like interacting with people and building real relationships you know not just I think I've I've done well in my career because I will, you know, I'm not a big fan of all the bullshit and I will be honest with people, whether that be someone in within the company, within my company, within a customer, within a partner. And I think just being that genuine person and, mm. and I think I had a few years at my beginning of my career in Dublin where I wasn't that and seeing the difference, I realised that, the only reason that I've got so far is because I've built a lot of relationships with people who have then it's gone full circle and then they've helped me in, mm. you know, like for example, Carol, I would come to you with a problem. Yeah. Most definitely. Yeah, no, absolutely. And um, yeah, it's, it's, it's good. I like, I really enjoy sort of seeing how other people do it because it's something that's not natural to me. And I've, I've really had to fight that and, and become, because I'm an introvert, you're an extra, I'm an introvert. I mean, yeah, I don't, I don't do this sort of stuff, but I'm doing it now, so that's good. So tell me then a bit about that route into tech, because I I'd like to expand on it a bit more to give a sense of you know that journey that you've been on and and the role that you've got now. Yeah, so my dad has always been into technology, and he has he's always been a businessman. First of all. Um, but I want to say like a failed businessman for a lot of our lives. And then uh, eventually he was he was successful. And I spent a lot. He worked a lot when we when we were children and he wasn't around. But every every Sunday we would sit down and we would talk about things and he would teach me about um, philosophy or he would teach me how to do mind mapping. He 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 has a very curious mind and he instilled that in me and he, he would always talk about different things people psychology and he would also always talk about technology so watching him I think fail succeed then fail succeed with many companies that he started and then ended watching him do that and then him to when we had this conversation we sat around a, a dining table and he told me this story about how companies were going to start moving to the cloud and watching him place bets, fail, win sometimes, half win, you know, being around him and my mother as well, who also backed him all the way, which I think is also something that we don't talk about when we talk about these serial entrepreneurs, the the courage of the other person to say, we've got two kids at home. The last one, you know, ended up with bailiffs at the door, but today, you know, I think you should go for it again. And, be growing up around them and my um seeing my dad's attitude towards technology just interested me but I never 
it was never a clear crisp moment where I thought okay I'm going to get into technology it was that I just didn't know what I wanted to do Mm. and like university wasn't for me and oh you know the course that I chose was just because I I chose it because my brother chose it and my brother's quite cool so I just went with that you know so (laughs) there was no thought process behind any of it and I trusted my dad and he he asked me to come on board to work for a cloud partner based out of Manchester and when I say work for I mean it was just me him my brother and another person so I started out there and I when when I left there to move to Google I think there was around 60 people and I think there's over 200 people there now so they're doing really well and I think having that having like my watching my dad in business was definitely really interesting seeing how quickly he had to make decisions seeing how kind of how close to failure we were definitely at the beginning you know like at one wrong move basically would would put this tiny tiny company under and seeing being around that and seeing him take risks and and whatnot it just made me think okay this is definitely an exciting place to be and definitely then cloud was very disruptive and you had to and I just thought gosh this just really suits my personality and I remember my dad saying to me in the first couple of years we used to sell google apps he said to me like no one is going to buy this technology because of the technology they're going to have to trust you because this is a huge leap of faith for a company to take i mean i'm talking 2010 2011 you know this is a huge leap of faith that a business is going to have to take so they're going to have to trust you so if they're going to trust you you're going to have to listen and you're going to have to learn to understand how people are feeling and I think and be honest and do the right thing and they will do the right things by you and I think that was a really good lesson to learn early on Mm. and then it just went from there. From the conversations I've been having the environment that you grow up in and the experiences that are around you really do shape you so seeing what it's like to succeed to fail to be supportive to get life skills in that way is is just such a core part of what makes you yeah but I think also that transferable skill from from the pie shop um, (laughs) you know that that lesson about listening talking understanding right you had it there from the very beginning so even though you were looking at some new kind of product you already had the base skills to help you with that yeah yeah I think is like the other side to it like the other thing that lesson that my dad definitely taught me early on was that there is a everything that you you know I've been in technology sales for quite some time various roles sometimes selling sometimes not but I I remember quite early on he, he said you know if we sell this to someone we're not just selling it to to a company but we're selling it to an individual if this then fails this individual could get fired you know if we tell a half truth you know that the the product's ready to do this and it doesn't the whole team could get fired and it's definitely just this human side and like the fact that there's an individual behind each sale that you make or um product that you pitch you know every decision that you make that can affect other people yeah that can be a positive thing it's not a negative thing and or it can be a negative thing if you do the wrong thing but I think that's having that experience early on means that you you know you've got quite strong values 
going into a larger company where suddenly everyone wants to talk to you yeah yeah absolutely so you've you've understood now who you are you know what your usp is you've got a good understanding of what sales is all about and and you've gone through you know a journey to to where you are today so what's your role today what do you do I am a strategic account manager. So essentially, I, for Google Cloud, so essentially I work with businesses, but going back to what I said, people to make sure that they're getting the most value out of our product. And how do you then, like you, how, how do you build on that technical knowledge, right? Because you've gone in completely cold, right? You don't, mm-hmm. you don't have it any awareness you just know how to sell you know how to talk to people so how do you build up that technical understanding and awareness because you've got to sell this stuff at the end of the day you can't mm. flag it yeah and it's yeah and I think um of course you like someone said to me a few years ago you know you need three things you need trust report and credibility to build a real real professional business relationship and when she said it to me it really resonated and I, I, I think you know trust rapport if it's genuine you can build those things but the credibility piece is just as important um I'm not a tech you know I'm not a technologist I don't have a technical background but the the part which the easiest way for me to learn is to understand what what impact that has on a team or a business or a person and once I can connect a product to a like everyday process that you're improving once I can make that connection and understand what that could do for that person in that business at that time you don't need to know exactly all the ins and outs of of the technology you know you those people that have that are specialists that do enjoy that part but I'm not technical and I'm proudly not technical I'll go into meetings and say I'm not technical but I know what this can do for you <laughs> but 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 the thing is I suppose having those conversations and, and drawing out on that experience is I don't know have you have you because I'm just trying to picture myself in a, in a sort of a sales pitch meeting or anything have you ever come across sort of difficult situations or or barriers that have sort of questioned made you question yourself what you're doing and why you're doing it or have you been in situations where you think I don't know this this is this normal in this kind of environment if you like you know because I think some of the challenges that we that women generally see in male dominated environments like technology it can kind of put you on the back foot Mm. what what you might have experienced and or, or what you learned from those experiences mm-hmm. that may challenge maybe your thinking or your approach, that kind of stuff? Yeah, I, I think it, it's a good question. And I, there's definitely been points in my career where I've definitely felt like I shouldn't be there. Or, you know, I remember a company saying they didn't want to work with a woman, um, a customer, um they wanted a male account manager. This is many years ago. And I froze and I thought, oh, gosh, that thing that I'm trying not to talk about, the fact that I'm the only woman in the room, um, people have noticed, <laughs> you know. <laughs> you, know um, you know, and I would do so, like, when I think about, you know, even the way I used to dress, I used to wear baggy clothes to not even bring to try not bring attention to the fact that I was a woman, you know, or like going back to your question, I've, people have said things to me like, 
like I'm five foot ten, for example, and I remember, as you will know, Carol, and I remember someone saying to me, you know, if you're in a room, if you're selling to a group of men, they will not like that you're taller than them. And I remember thinking, like, what can I do about this? And I remember, this is very early in my career, I remember, like, at certain points, like, I would walk with my knees a bit bent just to be a little bit smaller because I would try not to intimidate men, which is ridiculous. But these are, like, the things that would play through your mind. You know, someone doesn't want to work with you because of your gender or someone might be intimidated by you because you're taller or even like people not understanding my accent when I arrived in Dublin and people not understanding um, what I was saying and having to repeat myself, all of these things can spontaneously combust in a meeting and it can be someone, definitely like someone calling you out and saying, oh, did you mean that? And especially going back to what you were saying about not having a technical background, it can take those it can all of those moments can be crystallized into one moment and it can just be a look from someone that's questioning you and then paralyzed like that you know frozen in your seat and I've been in those situations where like my mouth is so dry like my jaw gets tight and I and I have been um like frozen and not been able to speak and that is terrifying at first and then you start to realize what's happening what what was that trigger why did I react that way and of course it's the culmination of everything that you've experienced up until that point but then in the reverse there is things that happen that make you want to own that room so when that person said they didn't want to work with a female account manager my manager at the time um this is before Google, my manager at the time said, we don't want to work with you. And we were a small company and we needed every customer that we could. So like every every um, every action can be counteracted, but you just have to notice that, okay, well, that person's really got my back and that person believes that I can do the job. Yeah. Um, so I've definitely been impacted. And then there's really practical things that I do, which you know we always I think everyone talks about um doing power poses and <laughs> I know you don't like to listen to I think we spoke about this didn't we Carol you don't like to get psyched up and, and did you yeah. say you listen to don't, music no no I'm definitely don't, speak to you. <laughs> don't talk to me don't talk to me don't even look at me because yeah. I'm just trying to breathe <laughs> yeah yeah and you go on stage all the time and in front of massive audiences and I think knowing like I think at first when I was younger I would just avoid the situations mm. or I would ignore the fact the situation was coming up until 10 minutes before you know, do you know what I mean and then I didn't really manage it well but now like I know that you know if I've got a particularly stressful meeting coming up or you know I'm having a job interview or if something is happening, I know that for the 30 minutes before that, I obviously I have no meetings, but I will also, I've just got, I have a lot of energy as you can probably tell. <laughs> and it's turning those nerves into excitement. So I will turn my laptop off, 
put some music on and just dance. Dance for 30 minutes and like up to two minutes before I'm going to get on the call and then I will jump in the call. And that nervous energy is just turned into energy by then because you've been dancing around like a fool for the last 30 minutes, which um, <laughs> sounds ridiculous, but it works for me. No, but that's the thing. And I, I just got this picture in my mind that next time I'm talking to you, you'll be like, you know, rocking out on something. <laughs> Yeah, just putting Beyonce on. Honestly, and yeah. I have the most some really supportive friends, like some of my Manchester friends. And my friend Emma, I was going through job interviews recently, and she would message me and say, "What song are we putting on?" And obviously, we don't, we're not in any way near close to yeah. each other. But having her, she'd be like, "Right, I'm going to put the song on and dance in the in my living room while you're dancing before the interview." And then suddenly it's just something funny that, yeah. you know, your friends have got your back. It doesn't, it's not as, um, you don't freeze up as much yeah. anyway. But that's the thing, right? Work, work out what, what works for you, you know. Gosh, I wish I could, I wish I could dance. But I literally stand there frozen to the spot, breathing <laughs> out through my feet, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it works for you, though. I've seen you on stage, Carol. Thank you me. smash it every time so or I go and run into the toilets like three times before and I'm not going to the loo I'm just standing there breathing like trying to get my breath <laughs> I can't cope you would just never know that that's the thing you no. would never know no but getting the technique that works for you is is essential so I'm 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 sure there'll be a few people listening to this podcast going oh yeah that's me gotta go yeah. and get the Beyonce god I mean th- being in those situations where you are frozen and I think all the imposter stuff starts flooding back and really yeah. eating into your brain going, you know, what are you doing here? All right, get out now, that kind of stuff. But you're there to do a job. And yeah. you gotta you got to face up to it. It's hard. Yeah. I think it is hard. And I think it will always stay, like you will always, like I, I definitely will always have, it will definitely always seep in hmm. because I haven't had that traditional route into technology yeah um so therefore I haven't had this you know some of the conversations that happen I can't be part of them because I don't know what they're talking about you know definitely at the beginning and it definitely you know it's just seeing those triggers and knowing that okay hang on a minute you know you've asked to you've taken on the opportunity you've put yourself in a place where maybe you shouldn't be but you know you've you've taken that risk um you're going to feel this way yeah and that's because you know that fear of change that fear of that feeling of being uncomfortable is part of life and if you don't have that feeling of oh god should I be in the room or I really shouldn't be going for this job or you know you're not taking any risks and then for me that is my worst fear is is just plateauing and staying comfortable because that is for me it's the, what am I going to do next? You know, that it's just, it's too early on in my career or it's not even, even about being early on. I just don't think you actually grow as a person mm. if you just stay still, yeah. you know? And I think, yeah, I agree. And it's a bit like, you know, that, that feeling you're experiencing is a bit like if you go into a theme park and there's this massive great roller coaster, you really kind of want to go on it, but you're absolutely going, no, I'm going to be, 
be sick or I can't get on it. And it's it's actually the same reaction. Your body is having the same reaction. It's the fight yeah. or flight sort of thing going yeah. on. So so you've got to you've got to talk yourself into this is going to be fine. You know, of course you're scared. Yeah. Of course you're feeling like, oh my god, what am I doing? Yeah. And, and if you can flip it in that way, like you do. Um, yeah, uh, and and shake it all off. That's Taylor Swift, isn't it? Um, <laughs> then, then, yeah, it's so then, true. It, then, but it's understanding it and, and learning from it. I think we, you've talked about this before with me, which is being in a situation, particularly like interviews, is you have a story to tell, and I love stories, mm-hmm. right? Because this is what I feel is missing for so many of us: is the art of storytelling. Yeah, and and you've captured that to be able to to move your propel yourself forward haven't you yeah yeah and yeah we have spoke about this and I think this is another thing that my dad taught me if you can tell a story you will become memorable so if you can tell and if it's even just a bit interesting even the fact that you will tell a story in a job interview is a little bit bold anyway right instead of just saying (laughs) all those words and I think if you once you can tell a story about yourself and it doesn't need to be like necessarily um bragging if it's a real true story mm. and it's authentic it will it will be it will be very memorable to the whoever's interviewing you but also it's the truth as well and I think we as well I think a lot of people struggle to talk about their achievements yeah. right people it feels especially in the UK you know it feels a little bit like you're bragging it can make you feel uncomfortable so and I definitely feel that way you know and I think getting comfortable with achieving things is, is another totally big conversation I would love to talk about but um, <laughs> I'm comfortable talking about being successful but if you're not good at that you can articulate your achievements through telling a story and I think that's really powerful and if you make if part of your story are the things that make you different then you've nailed it because you you're almost coming out and saying, do you know what? I used to work in a, a pie shop, and <laughs> you know, and you know, my dad's this incredible person, and he taught me all these amazing things. And one of the things was we were sat at a table, and he asked me if I'd ever heard of cloud computing. And then you know, that's a really engaging start of a story. And then, and then you, it's true and it's real, and you're also kind of exposing. The things that you try and keep a secret that you know you're not a technologist or you're not I don't know middle class or you're not highly educated if you talk about that route to where, where you are it, I think it's really genuine and it, it's that people you know it's a human story which I think is a much better job interview or conversation mm, than definitely. the quite formulaic Q&A that you sometimes get. I think so and I and I love, I love exploring that. If ever I'm interviewing people, jobs, or if I'm meeting people for the first time, is that we're so used to going to your point. This sort of formulaic, oh, where did you go to university? What did yeah. you study? And you know, da, 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 da. it's like a checklist of things. There's nothing interesting about it. It's just a way of having a conversation. And what you miss, particularly when you're interviewing, is you miss the opportunity to re- see someone's potential. Yeah. Because that story will help, a bit like the story you're telling today about your career and your journey you've been on, is it's really helping me, our listeners, to go, wow, that route that you have taken is why you are where you are today and why you are great at what you do. 
because it's the potential you've picked up along the way from all these life lessons that you've had, all these experiences that you've had. And I, that for me is like the most important thing we should be doing in life mm. is trying to look for the potential in people. Um, yeah. Because that's how you grow. That's how you develop. That's how you get great products. That's how you come up with innovation and all that, which you, you, you miss out on otherwise. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, when you were talking then I was thinking about, you know, when we talk about, you know, were you lucky? Like you, you know, were you lucky in your career? Were you in the right place at the right time? Mm. You know, these are conversations that people often have around their career and, you know, there was a chance meeting. And I think, um one thing that I always say especially now um is it seems a bit the opposite of what you should do but always talk to strangers I always say that the teams that I've managed to uh my friends you know always talk to strangers because you never know who you're talking to and you know I met my best friend in the toilets in a pub in Manchester and you know and that was it that she's that was 10 years ago or you know I met um I've met friends sat back I sat next to someone on a plane and spoke to them and I think the more people that you speak to the more you have a, a bigger a broader perspective on on what's really happening and you can apply that to sales right and technology and working with customers like you never know who, what opinions people have and you don't know what experiences people have. Yeah. And I think seeing people miss that opportunity with me because they've seen me and dismissed me as a woman in technology or a northerner, you know, that I've had a bit of stick for that. You know, you never want to miss that opportunity with someone else, you know. Yeah. yeah, I hope it made sense. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I was just thinking, no, you know, and I've done it myself in the past. You you know, you sort of look at someone and you think, mm, and then you find out what they are, or who they are, what they've done. You're like, oh, well, I missed an opportunity there. I didn't realise that. And it's just yeah. stupid. You know, why? Why? When you, why? How can you formulate a view or opinion of someone just by looking at them? Mm-hmm. Um, so, I, you know, I, I really try hard not to do that. You know, and I think it's just something you you grow up with, isn't it? If you, you know, you're conditioned with it. We, we yeah. stick labels on people, um, and yeah. now it's about trying to give sort of new labels. You know, understand who that person is, and what yeah. you bring, and you know, everybody has something to add and mm-hmm. contribute. Definitely, and I think that is we that also helps with imposter syndrome. Going back mm-hmm. to what we were talking about, John Amici did this podcast. I will send it you. Um, as part of the I Am Remarkable initiative, it's online, and he talked about imposter syndrome. And he, so he's a um, psychologist, but he also is a, a business consultant. He comes to talk. He also was a an NFL basketball player who's very successful, and he talks about imposter syndrome in a way that just it. I just froze and thought, okay, this is the first person that's really been able to articulate it. But also he articulates the the importance of having, he calls it a cabinet of people. Mm. So, you know, when you are talking to these strangers, you never know when you're going to need these people and when they're going to need you. And if you've got a, you know, if you're thinking, should I go for this job? Should I move countries? Should I break up my ex-boyfriend? Whatever it could be, you know, should I, when you're making these decisions, it is really helpful to have this cabinet as he talks about you know, am I good enough to go for this job? Or should I be in this meeting? 
you know, not just asking your boss or, you know, someone that might that could say yes or no, but actually having a, a group of people that know you that can give very different opinions on the positives and the negatives of making a certain decision or whether you're good enough or what do they see in you that you that they think could be applicable to this job. That also helps with imposter syndrome as well. Mm. And I think if you have like one of the things that has really helped me is like what when I think about when I used to look at okay what triggered that panic attack at first you know what what, why did I freeze in that room is you think about your you know your biggest fear you know what would be the most intimidating situation to be in and that could be for example um, you presenting to a CEO of a huge company which is a reality right and that's I, I I've done that and I will have to do that but I think you think about okay that is my biggest fear or my biggest fear is all of those very senior sales men going sitting with them and having lunch with them you know like Mm. and if you put yourself into the these situations that make you feel very uncomfortable but if you do it on a human level yeah you start to think okay that CEO isn't that scary or that data scientist has also got many other things about them apart from the fact that they're very good and skilled at one thing that you're not skilled at I think that also Mm. tends to alleviate some of that imposter syndrome as we call it definitely and I also think you know the uniform we all wear in the office now that we've all been at home in our pajamas on zoom calls or you know meets and all the rest of it right and we're seeing the CEO with the kids running in and out or the (laughs) cat jumps on his head or something like that or her head or you know any anything like that we're starting to see authenticity that we don't see normally and I I've loved that and I feel like that is so important because you know when we go back into the offices it's not the same anymore you've seen inside the house you've seen you know their lives yeah and yeah that's so transformational in terms of having ordinary conversations you know yeah and all of us have been in the same boat talking about, well, COVID, holiday, yeah. can you go, can't you go? How yeah. well are you? Are you well or you're not well, right? Are you feeling okay? All of these things, suddenly for the first time in our lives, we're all having the same conversations. Yeah, yeah. I agree. Like personal conversations, which you would never have done before. Yeah, 100%. And because everyone's going through the same thing, there's no, you know, a CEO is an experience in it in a different way than someone else. We we are all we've all been impacted yeah. by this. Yeah. So I think that gives it's definitely a common ground piece and it's definitely brings that human side into conversations, which you probably don't have when you're going into a boardroom no. and you know, everybody's wearing suits and you yeah. know, every there is people taking minutes and there's all these kind of like markers for a formal mm. meeting. But now Actually, you, we yeah. have got a cat in the background, you know. And... Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you've just reminded me, literally the week before lockdown happened, we uh, went into a meeting to choose a new partner for one of our products. And we all walked into this room and sudden, and we'd only just that morning been given a directive, you're not allowed to shake hands. And it was just really odd going into that meeting room and all going, um, hello, um, <laughs> touch your elbows, do you touch toes? You know, and... and just, yeah throw everything upside down but yeah. it was really interesting to sort of see how the dynamics of it played out and in the end we'd had all of our meetings after that 
were online. Yeah. How you build that relationship in those yeah. environments, really challenging, but fascinating. I really found yeah. it fascinating. Yeah. I think that was the last meeting that I had, like a, a in the traditional sense was the last meeting that we had. Yeah. Um, thanks, Rosie. This has been so interesting. And I, I think the experiences you've got and the, and the stories that you've been telling throughout this episode, I think will really help trigger some thoughts for, for, for anybody, men, women, anybody, you know, around what they're thinking, what they're feeling. And um, I, I'm, I'll be really interested to see what kind of feedback we get off the back of it. So I've just got one last thing I'd like to ask you. A little bit of what I call wit of wisdom. If you've heard the podcast, you hear me talk about it. Mm-hmm. Women in tech, wisdom, wit and wisdom. What nugget or pearl can you share with our listeners? What's the piece of advice you would give them? I'd say just say yes. Mm. So if you get asked, you know, oh gosh, I've got so many, but one of them would definitely be just say yes. Or uh, don't ask for permission, you know, ask for forgiveness. Mm. Go, you know, bombard your way into these meetings. Even if you, if as long as you have one thing to say, you should be there. Um, So I would say just say yes. I'm so glad you said yes to this podcast. I've really (laughs) enjoyed it. I've enjoyed chatting to you, Rosie. It's always good to talk to you. And uh, thank you so much. It's been great. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Thanks. What a great conversation that was. I feel honoured to have had Rosie share her incredibly heartfelt and at times raw experiences with me. I think understanding anxiety and imposter syndrome, particularly in these unusual times we're living in, was a reminder to us all about taking care of yourself. It really hit me when she talked about trying to fit in, making herself smaller, disguising herself with baggy clothes and being paralysed a word I often hear from women who are struggling. To hear that a client didn't want to work with a woman has a tremendous impact for that person. And it's important that we all respond to those situations, making sure it's recognised as very damaging to young, impressionable women. At the same time, though, it was lovely to hear how she was feeling now, and I loved her comment when she talked about getting comfortable with being uncomfortable, something I can really relate to. And once again, we hear how life and family experiences proves to be so important in shaping and informing us. It was wonderful to hear how her curiosity was stirred by her parents' approach to success and failures and how she has come to a place where she knows who she is and what her identity is. Having the support around you to find your place and succeed or thrive is vital. I would encourage anyone who needs that helping hand to find a mentor, either through your workplace or from a women in tech community near you. And if you'd like to reach out to the Women in Tech Not Just Code community, please do so. If you have a story to tell, want to get involved or suggest a real model we should meet, you can find me on LinkedIn at JohnsonCSDO. For further details of where you can reach or follow Women in Tech Not Just Code, such as LinkedIn, Instagram and Twitter, go to www.womenintechnotjustcode.com and join the conversation. And if you have a moment to rate and review this podcast, we'd really appreciate it. Thanks for listening. We hope you come back for more soon.